Hey guys. What's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the 13th Floor Podcast. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. James. And today we are going to be talking about another weird topic. This week, Lost Expeditions. Specifically, Franklin's Lost Expeditions. Thank you again to Emma and Laredo who submitted this topic into the vase. Yeah. Oh. Oh, wow. James is so excited he's got the hiccups. He actually said hip. He always he always says that. Yeah. I know, but it's just so strange. It is, mm. but that's just James for you. I think it's great though. I mean, it had to start somewhere. So obviously, the first hiccup, someone was saying it like James did. Mm. Again, maybe James is. Uh, he might even be seven thousand years old. Mm. We don't know. Maybe. He might be the first man. I was the first hiccupper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe you started it. Well, <laughs> James, what you been up to other than hiccuping? Uh, this and that, uh, milkshake melted and she's twice as big. Twice as big. Okay. Compare her to an object. How big is she? Uh, she went from nickel to bigger than a quarter. Ooh, milkshake. You go girl or you grow girls. What I should say. When I saw, cause I had the pleasure of seeing milkshake in the flesh, but she just hid. No flesh. She just hid in her little crate or her little. I don't know if she can even fit in that hole now. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm happy that things are going swell in your life, James, especially Milkshake's life. We've been busy, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, we're waiting for the rain to stop so that Alex can cut the grass in our front yard because it Finally. looks like... It's a jungle. It looks like a jungle right now. Yeah. Um, I want to go into it with Yeah, it's the harvest moon at the time of recording this, and like it's so overcast it makes me sad because last year I didn't get to see the harvest moon because it was overcast. This year I don't either. Wow, James, way to really bring down the <laughs> If we have a break in the clouds, Jake, I'll take or Jake. Oh my gosh. Uh-oh. James, I'll take a picture and I'll send it to you. I can't believe I said Jake. Did I say Jake? You said yeah, Jake. Yeah, he said Jake. Who's Jake? I don't know. I don't even know a Jake. That's the thing. Oh, that's kind of just scary. Isn't huh? that weird? <laughs> On a lighter note, my <laughs> photography business is picking up again. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I had a senior graduation photo session last week, so I'm just finishing up the edits for that. But yeah, if there's anybody in Kentucky who's looking for senior graduation photos, and, and I say this, I say graduation because I've had a number of people, when I say, oh, I've got a senior photo session this week, they think it's like a geriatric photo session. I was going to ask. That's fascinating. Yeah. I didn't know there was no. such a thing. Oh, my gosh, James. I, like Here in Alpharetta... Senior photo sessions are like high school photo sessions uh, are crazy popular. Now that's what I mean. I didn't know there was like a you know take some pictures of our grandpa. It's a senior photo session. Well, I don't think that there There's is. Not. They don't think that there is. You can tap into a niche though. There, you know, yeah. take a picture of grandpa before he's gone. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, you know what? Cece's <laughs> last stop pictures. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was going to say if there's anyone in Kentucky or Georgia who is looking for photos, hit me up. Reach out to me on the Instagram page or uh, email us, 13floorpodcast.gmail.com. Let me know and we can connect. But guess what, you guys? Oh, you're talking about yourself some more? uh, No. (laughs) We've got a lot going on in our Patreon. Mm. Yeah. Um, number one, if you are one of our lovely Patreon subscribers, number one, thank you, thank you, thank you. And number two, we actually have just put a poll up to have you guys vote on which holidays you would like us to discuss in our Halloween extravaganza episode this year. So you guys get to pick what we talk about. So head over to our Patreon page if you have yet (laughs) to vote. And then also, James, tell everybody what we're doing in the month of October, because next week we've got something special. Oh, uh, we of. got big stuff. Like, I mean, it's it's just going to be a lot of content. That's that's the the little kicker. It's going to be some extra content. Um, yeah. It's going to be it's going to be good. So yeah, all of our Patreon subscribers, stay tuned because you guys are going to get some extra stuff during the most fun month of the year, October. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Are you guys ready for our hearty hellos? Hearty. Okay. Alex, do you want to say the hearty hellos today? Oh, I get to say them? Yeah, why don't you say them? I'm tired of talking. All right. Myself. Yeah. 
So, uh, hello to Ukraine over there. Thank you all for listening. You know, I've seen some an uptick in viewership over there. And then also, I want to say this one because it's fun, Saskatchewan. Yes. <laughs> Lots of listens there. We're yeah, getting some good listens over there. And then also, the little tiny state of Vermont. Vermont. We love your little tiny self and your beautiful trees. Aren't they the ones that have the trees that They've people got- go see? They've got syrup trees. Syrup trees. Oh, I love your I love your syrup. It's and my top ten syrups. You know what else they're gonna have is beautiful fall foliage pretty soon. The leaves are gonna start changing color. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Alex, why can't we why can't we go to a bed and breakfast there? Because our leaves also change. Oh my god. Alex, it's not the same. <laughs> not the same. Okay. Um also Vermont Ver oh my gosh. Vermont starts with a V, so not a lot of places do. So you're pretty unique in that way. And we love you extra because of it. (laughs) All right. Here you go, you guys. Wherever you're listening in the world, thank you, thank you, thank you. I think it's time for an icebreaker, you guys. Okay. And I have one. It's not related to our topic, Lost Expedition. I can't think of the last time I lost someone like at sea or something like that. Actually, you know what? I I think I am going to ask a Lost Expedition. If you were to lose someone, where would you lose them at? No. If you were... Okay, here's the question. I thought that's what you were asking already. If you were to go on an expedition, what type of terrain would you want to explore? Oh. Yeah. I think I would like to explore a rainforest because I like cold weather, but a tundra or a high up mountain, that just sounds like too much work. Alex just ferociously shook his head no. I'm just thinking about all the diseases you're going to get. That's why you wear a hat. That's all the... Yeah. <laughs> a hat's going to hat. protect you from you're everything, good. James. You're right. That hat. Maybe maybe James will be walking around with one of those hats like with a net that goes all the way to the ground. And so he just like he looks like a shuffling uh, bag. A shuffling bag? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I'm picturing Cousin It. No, I just picture James getting bitten by some type of creature that's uh, that we haven't um, what's the word discovered yet, mm-hmm. and all of his hair falls out. So he takes oh. his hat off his head, and it all just like wisps to the floor. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. and then, but but then he gets to name it, but he's on his deathbed. Exactly. What? He he gets to name the undiscovered insect. Yeah. <laughs> so we- that's his legacy. But then it turns out James is immortal. He just faked his death. And now he's gone off to somewhere else. He just didn't want to do this podcast anymore, so he <laughs> <laughs> he pretended. Wow. He's like no, he's like Edward from Twilight, okay. where they just all right. <laughs> you just lost us. You just lost us. <laughs> he's a vampire, right? No, except he doesn't sparkle like the sun. Oh, James, I think you sparkle plenty. Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> James. Um, if I went somewhere other than the jungle, oh, okay, where would you go? Because I don't want to be miserable. <laughs> sweaty and humid. Actually, I, no matter where I go explore, I'm probably going to be miserable. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would go and explore. You know, Antarctica sounds so boring. No, like, it, it, seems, it seems beautiful, right? But then you have to remember, it's like the same scenery the whole time. That's your complaint, not the fact, not, not hypothermia or having to eat your crewmates or just well, the lack that, of the lack of visuals. Right, right, right. Because like eating your crewmates, that, that's that's part of the experience, right? Mm. Oh my gosh, that, that's just part of the experience. But not being able to look at things—that's boring. Mm. By the way, because anthropologists do have to encounter cultural instances of cannibalism they actually do make a uh, human substitute called tofumin that is not a joke oh my gosh for real yeah that's it's not it's not quite the same though have you ever had it uh yeah doesn't hold a candle the real thing (laughs) (laughs) i hmm see my first thought was rainforest but then i thought that was mine too yeah that's me too that's literally what jungle is I know, and I just I, I don't like I don't think that the heat would bother me. It would just be the fact that if a giant bug landed on me or if I ran into a snake, I'd be done. So So Cece's exploring <laughs> suburbia. Yeah. I was uh, gonna say Ireland because there's no snakes. No, I would want to <laughs> explore an old world forest. Uh, that's that's a good those. choice. Oh yeah. 
I know where I would explore. Where? Madagascar. That's Madagascar. a flipping jungle. Mm. Yeah, there's a little rocky part to it. Oh Alex my would God. just be excited to see the lamers. <laughs> I'd oh. stick to the shoreline. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right, you guys. I think that that is enough. Um, are you guys ready to hop on into our topic? Lost Expeditions. That sounds Dude. good. Okay. Alex, how about you go first today? What? Yeah. Fine. I have to. <laughs> All right. I had a good one. So, I had the Terra Nova Expedition. Wasn't Terra Nova a TV show? Yes. And I think maybe this name hints to what could happen on the show. For a second, I was about to get angry and be like, what if Alex is just retelling the story <laughs> of the television show that It wouldn't be the first time. Just reading TV like Guide, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go on. All right. On June 15th. 1910. I'm going to give you my sources real fir- first before I tell you any further. Thank you to history.com and historyhowstuffworks.com and The Guardian for their wonderful article titled Scott Antarctic. I don't want to actually, you know what? I don't want to I don't want to tell you all cuz oh. it's going to re- spoil some of my stuff. So, wow. Okay. Those are where I pulled some stuff from. Okay. All right. All right. So, 1910. <laughs> Robert Falcon Scott and his crew. What a cool name, by the way. Right? I know. <laughs> and his crew on the ship, the Terra Nova, also an awesome name, shipped off from Cardiff, Wales, aiming to go to Antarctica. That's a long way. Yeah, it's, a, it's quite the journey. At the time of departure, they were the only expedition aiming to achieve the feat of being the first to reach the South Pole. Okay. <laughs> Everyone had their eyes on the prize, and that prize was the North Pole. But yeah. these guys were like, we're going on our own. We're doing our own <laughs> thing. Now, there's this unfortunate series of events, though, that leads us to, as we've alluded, lost expeditions. So to the downfall and the tragic history of the Terra Nova. So first, we have a look at a, we have to look at a race that began in 1909 between two rival U.S. explorers, Robert Peary and Frederick Cook. These two explorers announced to the world that they had led successful expeditions to the North Pole. Okay. And in making these proclamations, they beat someone who el- someone else who's going uh, to the North Pole, a Norwegian explorer by the name of Admundsen. Um, and Admundsen, upon hearing the two explorers had already reached the North Pole, he, he has a decision to make. Now... Relations between Norway and Britain at the time were like really great. Um, I actually don't know what they're They're right best now. friends. They're besties. Because Norway had just achieved independence, and a big reason for its independence was Britain went to bat for them. And so, by doing so, you know, they're buddy-buddy, and they're very friendly. So, Admundsen, knowing two things, had to make a choice. First, he knew he was going to go to the north. Going to the North Pole was going to be pointless because two people had already beat him. But not wanting to go home empty-handed, he knew that he could possibly be the first person to the South Pole. The problem was that if he notified Norway, they would have told him to come home and not to be a last-minute competing rival uh, to Britain, who had just helped him out. Uh, who had just helped Norway out of this big ordeal. Because they, they didn't want the two countries competing because, well, they had just helped them out. So yeah. why would they? Why would you want to steal their thunder with a last-minute change? So what he did is he, just, he chose to go his own way and not tell anybody. So he's just like, I'm going to go. He just kept going. And so he, what he did is he finally arrived at Australia and when he did, people found out that he was actually going to the South Pole. This is when people finally realized what he was doing. How did people find out he was going to the South Pole? It's like, did Australia? Because they couldn't just call. Yeah. Well, he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have pulled up. He wouldn't have been like, hey, Australia, I'm going to the North Pole. But then was Australia <laughs> going to be like, hey, I'm going to call Britain and let them know? Carrier pigeon? I don't know how they do it. <laughs> all this stuff takes forever. That's all I know. <laughs> But this was a this was a big concern of him. Well, this is 1910. What do we have? What do we have in 1910, James? Do we have any sort of communication that can? Ah, uh, I don't know. Some I wish there was some sort of graph that could be 
transmitted some way. A telegraph. A telegraph. Yeah. So yeah, there so there you go. I was gonna say I was like I was like, no, there's nothing back there. I was like, wait a minute. I forgot that this was nineteen ten. I thought it was yeah. a lot earlier. Did you know that telegraphs it- they actually kinda had like you know how we have emojis and internet slang? They actually had that, like their own versions. I saw that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, they're like eight zero zero eight one three S or five. Boobs. Boobies, boobies. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that from like middle school. Oh my yep. gosh. <laughs> oh so <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's kind of hard to believe that these two places hadn't been explored until the nineteen nineteen hundreds. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Um, so Osmondson is making his way down to the South Pole uh, now. Robert Scott, the leader of the Terra Nova expedition, it, you know, he's going about his merry way. He's he thinks he's the only guy out there going to the South Pole. He's very excited. So when he shows up to Australia and he gets to port, he's shocked to find out that. Suddenly, he has competition. And not only that, they have a pretty significant lead on him. Wow. Uh, they're probably a month ahead of him right now. Jeez, so that's Robert, far. Yeah, so Robert Scott arrived in Antarctica. Um, and many of his men actually decided not to go on the, uh, the venture. So they, they stayed at the ship. And only five men in total decided to make the journey uh, through the icy tundra. Now, making they they made pretty they made okay time. They did all right. But when he arrived to the South Pole, though, he finds that Admonson had already beaten him there. No, and not only had he beaten him there, he had beaten them there by over a month, which is pretty crushing. Norway um, and Britain gonna yeah throw so down. Deflated and exhausted, the men had to head back to the ship where. The trouble begins. <laughs> so the journey back is even more exhausting and cold than what Edmondson had experienced being at the height of winter. It was even colder there now for him than it was for Ed Edmondson. <laughs> now, not only that, but one of the men, Edgar Evans, slipped and had a concussion. <laughs> so after this, he just kept falling and falling and injuring himself. Until he eventually succumbed to his injuries. Mm. Yeah, was a- yeah, and then Lawrence Oates, who was also suffering from injuries because all of them had been falling quite a bit on their journey there. So they were all a little beaten up. And Lawrence Oates, he was like pleading for the men to just leave him behind because he was in such bad shape. So the men all refused to leave him behind. So at night, one night, he decided to walk out into the night and sacrifice himself. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Then the remaining three men, uh, they kept on their way, but they didn't make it much further. They all died in a a tent together uh, 11 miles away from a food depot. Ooh. So they had made it pretty close, but they all died in this tent. Now... They were fo- they were found uh, a good time later, and the tent had like goodbye notes and stuff like that. They said that two of the men looked uh, at peace, but that um, <clears throat> that Robert uh, Falcon Scott that he looked pretty angry. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> he did not look happy uh, compared to the other two men. Now this is kind of where the lies have built up. So, the two men in New York who had claimed to go to the North Pole, turns out that they were lying about it. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. And so, and people were already at the time reporting, like, they were pretty skeptical because the trip was so fast. It was an easy time, man. Yeah. And they're like, I don't know if this is possible. So, those two men lied, which resulted in Edmondson lying to his own country, and going rogue, which resulted in Robert Scott probably dying at the South Pole. Jeez. Because you could probably imagine that you have this long, arduous journey to be the first person ever to set foot somewhere, and when you get there and you're deflated, your journey home is going to be a little bit slower. 
Yeah. And you're not going to have the excitement and stuff to propel you that extra bit, that adrenaline and everything. Uh, instead, you're just kind of, I would imagine, enter some sort of state of depression for a little while there. Um, and, the, I mean, it's not a short journey. It, it, it took several weeks to, to go back and forth. Now, another problem is, is Robert Scott, he took his time getting to the South Pole. His expedition, unlike Edmondson, was really a scientific expedition. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas Edmondson was just a race to get to a point on a map. Roberts was dig dig fossils, get samples, do all these things. The guy, Mm. if he hadn't stopped to get so many samples, he he wouldn't have beaten them. But he could have shortened the time down pretty significantly. But... When they died, they had all of this weight of all of these scientific things that they were taking back. Mm. And Robert would not leave them. <laughs> On leave this the episode findings. of Antarctic Hoarders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so Robert is also part of the reason why they died. Because he wasted resources and energy carrying all these things hmm. that he mm. did not need. Yeah, it was a... And the bad thing is, is by the time they found him, everything had pretty much already been discovered. Dang. And so all of his, uh, pretty much everything that he had found was not unusual. Man, that is that's, so depressing. Dustin, yeah, that's depressing. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's heralded as a hero over in Britain. Mm. Um, and, you know, he's, he's like, a, he's like, a, he's got legend status over there. Mm. But, yeah. It wasn't so hot. All right. That's that's the Terra Nova expedition. James, do you want to go next or do you want me to go next? It don't matter. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go next. Okay. All right. You guys, my sources today were History.com, National Geographic, SmithsonianMag.com, and a video by Global News on YouTube. Ooh. And then Sprinkles from Wikipedia. But I am taking... The subject that was recommended to us by Emma, um, Franklin's Lost Expedition. And James, I know that there was a little um, a little disappointment on your end when you found out I'm not talking about <laughs> Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, I thought that would have been fun. Can you imagine no. Ben Franklin going all Indiana Jones somewhere? <sighs> I could see it happening. He was an interesting man. Yeah. But I'm... <laughs> He flies a kite and goes above all the trees. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am talking about Sir John Franklin. That's Ooh. the guy. And he decided to go on an expedition to the Arctic way back in 1845. Um, and he was tasked with trying to find the Northwest Passage. Everybody was like, oh, you know, there's a faster route to sail to Asia we need to find it. It's through the Arctic. And so on May 19th, 1845, Franklin, he kissed his wife, Lady Jane, farewell, he smooched. And he and a crew of 128 others, they set off toward the Arctic to find the passage. And they were split across two boats, the HMS Erebus, spelled E-R-E-B-U-S, and the HMS Terror, which I would, I'm sorry, I would not want to be on a ship called the Terror. Yeah. That just seems like bad luck. That's the name of the AMC show. It's called the Terror. It's based off of it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But just to be transparent, Franklin was not the first choice for the leader of this mission, you guys. It's a red flag right there. I know. His uh, his name was Sir John Barrow, and he was the second secretary of the Admiralty. And he had to staff the expedition, and he had five other choices ahead of Franklin. Dang. He was... Yeah, he was really reluctant to pick him, but all of his other choices either didn't want to do it or he ended up determining that they may not be ready yet, like they're too young to lead an expedition like this. So he settled on poor old Franklin. (laughs) That's not good. Yeah, so really the mission was just kind of in a bad spot from the very beginning. Some of the other people that Barrow wanted to lead the expedition were still on this one. They were just like other officers lower down on the totem pole. So anyways, let me tell you what happened, okay? Um, Because a lot happened. May 19th, Franklin and his crew set out, okay? The sun rises, they get in their boats, and they head off to try and find Asia. And 
they take off in the Erebus and the Terror, which were actually very technologically advanced ships for the time. They both had steam engines, for example, which is probably pretty wicked. And they also, they were ready for a long trek. They had about a thousand books aboard the ships because I bet it gets probably pretty boring just sailing the ocean blue. Um, And then they also had up to three years worth of tinned food, just in case. And several live cattle, so they get their milk and proteins. Mm. Boat cows. And they they were slaughtered for meat, not crazy far into the trek, but they ended up anchoring up at a few random islands and spots, including whalefish islands in Greenland. And this is actually where all of the crew wrote their last letters to their families before they kind of set off, like, okay, we're going now, we're going to head out. And lucky for five of them, <laughs> they ended up getting sick at this point and they had to get sent back home. Although mm. it's possible, I read a couple places that some of them might have gotten tuberculosis, so it might not have been like a lucky thing. But mm. they the, they didn't end up going on the trek is what you need to know. But from the Whalefish Islands, Franklin and his crew set off to find the Northwest Passage Two whaling ships spotted them sailing through a place called Baffin Bay, which I just love that name. And that was the last they were ever seen alive. Everything we know after this point has been pieced together just from various accounts, uh, evidence, grave sites, and then also a firsthand letter that's now referred to as the Victory Point Note. Alex, you ever heard of the Victory Point Note? Nope. It was found in a cairn. Is that how you say it, James? C-A-I-R-N. Cairn, which is basically just a little pile of rocks that you place your item within. Yep. It's good for marking trails. Yep, marking trails and also hiding the victory point note. Cairn is uh, Gaelic for earth. I don't know why I pointed that out. That was kind of pointless knowledge, but still. It's, it's, it's wonderful knowledge, James. Mm-hmm. Thank you for interrupting me. <laughs> okay, so... In 1848, two years after Franklin left. And this is when they finally decide to send out a search party to see if they can, like, find the crew. And they only the only reason they sent a search crew out was because Franklin's wife, Lady Jane, she was getting all concerned. She was like, my husband should have been back ages ago. I haven't heard from him. Where is he? And she just wanted her husband back. And she caused a big ruckus. Next thing the Admiralty knew was the media started to, like, press him on the matter they're like, hey, you need to do something about this. And he's just like, calm down. He's like, I bet everything's hunky-dory, but I guess we can send out a search party. Maybe. And so they sent out multiple ships and crews to try to find Franklin, both by sea and eventually land in Canada. But no one could find them, you guys. That is, until 1850. They found an abandoned camp on Beachy Island and three graves. So at least three people died at that point of the mission. They also tried to search again for the crew via land. And in 1859, so over 10 years later, they found the biggest clue, which was that victory point note inside the cairn. So long story short, the victory point note, um, it had two different entries And the first was dated May 28th, 1847. And it basically said, we're stuck in ice and we're going to winter here. All is well. So at that point, they weren't too worried. I suppose they thought the ice would melt and then they could just go on their merry way. But you guys, it didn't melt. Hey. Hey. It did not melt. What what do you call a cairn in Oklahoma? Oh, gosh. I have no idea. An okay cairn. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is no, that's one word for it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So anyways, the ice didn't melt. They're still stuck in ice. They have to winter there a second time. And then uh, there's a second account on the note that's a bit more dismal. And it said that poor Franklin bit the dust on June 11th, 1847. But it didn't say from what. So we don't know what happened to him. Uh, and at the time the note was written, nine officers had perished along with 15 men. And on April 22nd of that year, everyone just abandoned the ship. They went off in different directions, I guess, because bodies believed to have belonged to this crew have been found in a few places over the years. And people are still very invested in solving the mystery of what happened here. But all we really have to go on is just the evidence from the sites that have been discovered. And then the Inuit stories, you guys, because 
Inuit in the area shared tales of seeing white men traveling the area and just like slowly dying one by one. And they also said that some of the men resorted to cannibalism Mm -hmm. for the longest time. Researchers were like, no way. Like there's no way that they could have done that. They would have known better. But apparently some of the bodies have been found with teeth and or blade marks on the bones. So I bet some of them ate each other. Why not? Yes. I mean, they, and additionally, okay, let's listen to this. Any porterhouse in a storm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they, they really weren't equipped to be dealing with the freezing temperatures. And then, you know, illness was afoot, especially scurvy and probably also tuberculosis. And so you guys remember how I said they had three years worth of canned foods. Yeah. Well, you guys, the organizers. No one brought a can opener. No, no, it's much, Uh, much worse. Oh. The organizers of this expedition only began thinking about food about seven weeks before they were supposed to set sail, which is a very short turnaround time for three years worth of meals for 128, 29 people. Mm -hmm. So the provisioner who had to get all the food together did not actually like do it very carefully. He did not pay special attention to what he was doing. And when he soldered the can shut, he did so with lead and it seeped into the cans and was said to be quote, thick and sloppily done and dripped like melted candle wax down the inside surface. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So these poor crew members, Many probably came down with some form of lead poisoning. And I know that they they did some type of scientific research on the bodies that were found. And they say that there were elevated levels of lead within almost all of them. But you also have to remember England in the 1800s was filled with lead. So they're not sure if maybe like that was a normal amount of lead for people there that had just accumulated over the years. Or if it was just from the food. But we've also since found the shipwrecks of the Erebus and Terror, because those were missing for a very long time. Both were found south of where they were listed or said to have been stuck in the ice. And some reckon that maybe the ships broke free and they sailed a little bit. But it's probably more likely that the ice finally started to melt and shift. And then the ships went down. But the really cool things about these shipwrecks is that they are in ridiculously good condition. Many of them are still intact and you can actually look up pictures because they still have pictures where you can see, oh, all of the cabinetry still up and there's all of the dishes perfectly placed here. So it's kind of like they sunk just and just went straight down like a stone to the bottom and they were found in 2014 and 2016. So that is a relatively new find, which amazes me because it's like the Titanic is falling apart really quickly these went down way before the Titanic and they're still holding up pretty well. <sighs> but lastly, some super duper new news on the Franklin expedition mystery, because in May of this year, you guys researchers were actually able to use DNA from a relative to identify a body. <laughs> um, they, yeah, they positively identified Warren officer, John Gregory. They tracked down his great, great, great grandson who's living in South Africa And he shared some of his DNA and boom, now we know where John Gregory was laid to rest, but will we ever really know what happened to Franklin's expedition? Like in full, there's probably no way. All we can do is kind of fathom and figure out and piece together clues. But guys, that's the story of Franklin's lost expedition. I mean, it could be like a Captain America scenario where they find one of them perfectly preserved and thaw them out and just ask them all the questions. (laughs) That would be, that would be amazing. Yeah. What if they went down into one of the shipwrecks and there it was. Alex, what are you looking at? I'm trying to look at pictures and I just found a picture of a guy. I don't don't think that's him though. Of a guy? guy. Alex, no, there's, these people have been dead a long time. I know. This is very clear. Time, but Ooh. if it's icy, it'd be preserved. Ooh, Alex, why don't you just show me a picture of you? Didn't believe me, so I, didn't. I showed you. That was scary. I'm gonna have a nightmare. Alex, just show me a picture of a of a corpse, James. Well, from the Lost Expedition, yeah. maybe it might be from the AMC show. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Alex! So it's either real or it's movie magic. Yeah. <sighs> All right, you guys, it's a great way to end my segment. <laughs> James. James, what are you talking about? I'm talking about Percy Fawcett and the Lost City of Z, or the Lost Ooh. City of Zed, if you're 
Canadian or British, and he was British, so I guess it's more accurate. Um, we saw this in the theaters. Okay, I, see, I was going to mention that, like, they made a movie that I'd never heard of where it had Tom uh, Holland in it. Yeah, Tom Holland was uh, Percy's son, and uh, in the movie, and uh, <laughs> it'd be really weird in real life. And uh, <laughs> that fellow from uh, Sons of Anarchy was Percy. So, yeah. what's funny about that? You know, I was going to mention that it was made into a movie because. If it hadn't been, I was going to say this needs to be a movie, like I say half of our uh, shows. But Percy Fawcett definitely was an interesting guy. Like Before we get to the Lost City of Zed, let's talk a little bit about him as a person, because what a cool dude. Like It's very obvious that he has inspired a lot of fictional like Tomb Raider type people. You know, Indiana Jones and whatnot. Um, So this is just a list of some of the things that this fella did. He was a geographer. He was a cartographer. He was an archaeologist. He was an explorer, obviously, because that's what we're talking about. He was an artillery officer. He was a flipping spy. Like Spy? Yeah. In World War I, he was a spy. So really cool dude is the bottom line. So what's really fascinating about him is... Not just his laundry list of accomplishments, but he was also just the archetypal explorer. Like he had this cool mustache and like this tweed coat and he wore a Stetson and he had this neat beard and he had a pipe in his mouth in a lot of his pictures. And so he just looks like a Hollywood explorer. You know what I mean? Like he looks like what you would picture when you imagine like a, a, a just a, a devil may care Tomb Raider person. Um, so that's, that's really cool. And also a unique thing about him is I've never seen this before where, you know, people mention somebody's uh, birth and death and his death says during or after <laughs> 1925. That's, that's should tell you something about this expedition um, in and of itself. So, he actually coined the name of the lost city of Zed. So basically what happened was he was at the National Library of Brazil and he found a document called Manuscript 512. And it's a 10 page manuscript that nobody's really sure who wrote it or if it's real at all. But he thought that it was written by the Bandarante Haudes da Silva Guimarães, which it, it, you know, just to explain, these were uh, slavers, explorers, adventurers, fortune hunters, people like that. So people w- who were kind of like the precursor Brazilian version of him. <laughs> so he finds this document and he's like reading it, of course. And it, it mentions that in 1753, um, uh, De Silva, I'm just going to say De Silva, so I don't have to say his whole flipping name. And a bunch of other banderantes found the ruins of an ancient city that had arches, a statue, and a temple with, and this is the kicker, hieroglyphs. Ooh. Hieroglyphs. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of theories about Egypt and a connection with South America because of pyramids and because nobody really knows, uh, you know, there's just been a lot of interesting things. You know, there, there was, for example, trace amounts of coca powder on an Egyptian mummy at one point, which most people think it was just contaminated. But some people theorize like, oh, that means that they were in South America before they went to Egypt where they were mummified and blah, blah, blah. So, again, he, he's reading this and he completely believes this uh, this manuscript, but it doesn't really describe how to find the ruins. So what he decides is, well, I'm going to find it. I'm going to go find the lost city of Zed. So first of all, between then and there, uh, World War I happened. <laughs> so that put a little, uh, a bit of a damper there because the British government originally supported this idea, but they were like, no, we, we got to fight a war right now. So He actually, this is when he became a spy. So, and and he was actually in the Western Front during the war. But then in 1920, you know, things kind of simmered down and the British government still wasn't willing to fund it. So he just decides, I'm going to go on a personal expedition. I'm going to find it regardless. Don't even need your money. So he went and 
it didn't pan out too great. First, he got sick. We don't know what exactly, but a fever was the primary symptom. And we don't know if he had a horse or a donkey. It was probably a donkey or a mule or something. But he had had some sort of pack animal, and something happened to it, and he had to shoot it. So he had to go back to England. So five years later, though, him and his son Jack decide, let's go look for that lost city. And they bring uh, Jack's friend Raleigh, too. So they go into the Mato Grosso jungle, which is, you know, the most likely candidate for, for where this lost city is. And they find a bunch of indigenous folks and they, they ask them like, hey, so uh, any cool ruins or anything around here? And <laughs> the the natives were like, yeah, um, headwaters of the Zingu River, go, go head out that way. So they went out that way and they really just sort of vanished after that. Um, now, what's kind of interesting about this is uh, there was actually a site called Kuhikugu, which actually has ruins. Um, this was found that year that, that Fawcett disappeared afterwards. And they were actually pretty impressed by these ruins because it, it was about 20 towns and it could have held probably in the ballpark of 50,000 people, which is quite an undertaking in the middle of the jungle. Yeah. Uh, again, you got to remember, these are areas where nature, if, if left alone, really reclaims things pretty dang quickly. Mm. So uh, that coupled with the fact that there, there's actually been a lot of large geometrical earthworks. In other words, um, places where people would be in large numbers making for example, clay items, like maybe statues, um, mm-hmm. just finding those in those areas also lends credence to the fact that, yeah, there probably really was a lost city of Zed. Um, unfortunately, Charlie, uh, Charlie, <laughs> the actor, <laughs> which what's funny about that is I have not seen the movie, but, uh, um, <laughs> but for um, anybody who hasn't seen the movie, the main actor is Charlie Hunnam. Right. Um, yeah. But, Ultimately, by the way, uh, just a little thing to also note, um, he was financed on this expedition, but not by the government. This is kind of creepy to me that it's called this, but there was actually a London-based group of of investors called The Glove. I just think that's creepy as all get out. It's like something out of Venture Brothers, which this guy, Percy, is like a Venture Brothers character. It's just – it's insane. But – you know, he, he knew what he was doing. Like, this wasn't like these previous two expeditions where, like, people made a lot of mistakes. Like, no, he, he brought the whole nine yards. He brought canned food. He brought guns. He brought flares. He brought a chronometer. He brought a sextant. He brought powdered milk. He went all out, you know, pack animals. Uh, everybody who was picked to go on the expedition was, you know, capable, healthy, and got along. So that was that was you know it, there were no mistakes in and of itself other than the fact that he believed this manuscript which again posthumously we're kind of thinking that's a real thing so so he really didn't make any genuine mistakes um, here's what we don't really know uh, is is what ultimately happened we don't actually know um, people have assumptions people think well. There were some tribes in the areas who were not too keen on foreigners. Um, so that's possible. The Arumas, the Suyas, the Zavantes, they uh, they didn't really like people they didn't know in the territory. So some people think that the locals just killed them, which is very plausible. Um, another possibility is just the fact that there were so few of them in, in the group that Maybe uh, they didn't bring enough gifts just because it's just such a short number of people um, to the to the tribes. And if you if you receive generosity from these tribes, it's very important that you repay it in kind, or it looks really really bad. And sometimes there's repercussions. Is where I'm going with that. So Oof. that's that's another possibility. It's it's really sort of the the same end being killed by the locals, but you know, for a a more logical reason, I guess you could say. So they actually found some bones near dead horse camp, which is where, which again, it's kind of like the terror. Like, why would you call it that? But, uh, um, they found bones near that and they actually tested it, but it wasn't faucet. So 
we we don't yeah. actually know. Um, some people in the uh, one of the one of those local tribes mentioned that uh, they shot arrows at Fawcett and and Jack, his son, um, because they refused to uh, you know to to show them the proper respect possible. But we don't actually know. That's that's kind of hearsay. So we don't we don't actually know. One person even claims <laughs> that uh, all three of them were killed with a club by a native because uh, Jack had uh, well he, he got a little lonely in the jungle and he he consorted oh. with, uh, with that fellow's wife. So oh my gosh, yeah. Now oh. I am very uninclined to think that's the case, just on the grounds that I mean the guy was very well prepared. It's like you show some common sense. <laughs> So, so I don't think that's the case. But the bottom line is we don't actually know what happened. We do know that a nameplate of his was found in 1933, which included a theodolite compass that Fawcett definitely owned. And this was found near the, uh, Bas- the Bassieri Indians of Mato Grosso. So we do know that he had some stuff that was left behind. But here's the kicker. Remember that theory that maybe they didn't give proper gifts to the the natives? Yeah. It's actually believed that that was exactly what that was. And a compass that that was definitely like a flipping amazing gift. So I you know if that was the case that was there was probably no reprisal there. So we really don't know for sure. There's a lot of speculations. Some people think that he just didn't die, that he just lived there. Like, you know, he just decided, you know, I don't feel like going back to England. And that does happen. You know, I think of the story that we've actually talked about before about mutiny on the bounty. Like they went bamboo, as as the people say, and decided they were going to live, you know, in the, uh, oh, shoot, what's it called? The the Tahitian Islands. So that does happen. So maybe that did happen, but I think it's pretty unlikely. Somebody who's a glory hound like Fawcett, it's just unlikely. So uh, they have tested several bones in the area. Um None of them have been confirmed. And it's kind of funny, kind of like yours, though, CC. a lot of new information has sort of showed up. So, yeah. Yeah. One thing, there was actually some private papers of of faucets. um, And they have finally been uncovered. And this is the neat thing. Uh, You know, I'm just talking about going bamboo. Well, in, according to this paper, the English, this is a quote, the English go native very easily. There is no disgrace in it. On the contrary, it is my opinion, it shows a creditable regard for the real things in life. And in these notes, he also mentions wanting to set up a commune in the jungle. So maybe he didn't die. So that's what's so funny. This is, this is truly a lost expedition in the sense that we don't really know what happened. But it's possible that he just started a little weird cult thing in the jungle um, and he got some of the natives to worship him and and his son, which is possible um, because he was actually a uh, theosophist, which is kind of interesting, which, by the way, doesn't posit that. It's kind of funny because I I think I've mentioned that I'm in theosophy. (laughs) We actually had a meeting today. It was really enjoyable. But but some people think that's exactly what – the deal was was that he decided you know what i'm gonna stay here and he did and he has descendants in the jungle so we don't flip and know is the bottom line but that's a relatively new uncovered thing that maybe that's that's what happened which is kind of what i hope happened i think that's really cool the idea that he just decided you know what i'm gonna be the amazonian now (laughs) what if they got eaten by alligators there are no alligators in the Amazon. There are caiman, Ooh. and caiman are not likely to eat you, but maybe. So there aren't any crocodiles either? I don't think so. I think caiman are pretty much the main crocodilian in, in South America. Oh, man. Well, my theory's out, out the window. <laughs> Alex, what do you think happened? Oh, they definitely ran a tribe there. They ran a tribe. Alex, Alex oh, thinks yeah. they went native. Definitely. Yeah. I think that'd be a really fun end to the story. Let's just not go back to England. Let's just stay here and and uh, do cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, James, thank you for regaling us with that tale. No problem. Um, this has been a fun episode. Yeah. yeah. Great. You know what I want to do, though? I want to figure out what episode. Oh. I do want to go on an expedition. But... 
before that, I want to figure out what are we talking about next week? Uh-huh. Here you go, Alex. Pull one from the vase. Pull one from the vase and put it in oh. my hand. Oops, one. All right, you guys. Next week, we are talking about Slender Man. Ooh. And this topic was submitted by Maggie. So, Maggie, thank you for submitting this. I don't know hardly anything about Slender Man. You're going to have nightmares. I uh, I mean, the name alone is very creepy. Yeah. To, to brush up on it, you have to play uh, Slender the Arrival. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Can you imagine? I would pay money to see CC stream oh, horror yeah. games. I would, too. Ooh. No. That's never happening. Um, she looked vaguely interested for a second, and then she very quickly realized <laughs> what that would mean. Yeah, no. Uh, is there anything you guys want to add before we say good evening, good day, good morning? Yeah, you can find our music mm-hmm. uh, on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes. It's uh, by Grant Cook. I did it out of order. It's driving yep, it James sure crazy is. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, anybody listen to music? <laughs> Fun fact, uh, the guy from uh, uh, Charlie Hunnam, he has OCD, too. Ooh, so you guys, that's what we're going to leave you on. There you go. Until next week, we hope that you can keep keep it it straight. straight.